When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the 121st episode of the Uptempo Podcast. Today, uh, we want to talk about the Penn State Nittany Lions and the huge win they had last night going to Purdue, West Lafayette. We know things get weird there, and the Nittany Lions going eight plays, 80 yards, man. Sean Clifford with the drive. Uh, found a way to get a gutsy win, a gutsy, gutsy win, man. Uh, really, really proud for that program. I know I'm an Auburn guy. We welcome them this year to Auburn in week three. Can't wait for that matchup. So uh, we're bringing on the special guest today by the name of Joe Smeltzer, and he is with Nittany Sports Now covering Penn State Athletics. Uh, really excited to have him. Can't wait to to recap this Purdue matchup and get his thoughts on it. And we are going to kick it right over here to the Belly Up Sports Network, and then we're going to try to get Joe on the phone and get after it. So here we go. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome back in, everybody, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Joe Smeltzer. He covers the Penn State Nittany Lions, and hey, we're excited to have him on. Penn State goes on the road last night, get a big-time win over Purdue in West Lafayette, a hostile environment. They pick up a dub, go 80 yards in eight plays. It was it was a fascinating drive, uh, led, by, led by none other than Sean Clifford and Joe, man. A uh, huge win last night. How are you feeling after the dub? Yeah, uh, well, it's kind of funny because uh, when you think about going into the game on the surface, what it looked like. So if Penn State could get a win over a pretty good Purdue team on the road, they went 9-4 last year. And probably as a Penn State fan, you're thinking, all right, if Penn State can get a win here, doesn't matter uh, what the margin is. Beating Purdue on the road in the blackout on a Thursday night to open the year, that'd be pretty good. But then you watch the game, and you know how week one is, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of sloppy play, missed tackles, draw passes, penalties, all of that from both Penn State and Purdue. And then having watched the game, I think, uh, I don't want to say it would take the bloom off the rose, but it definitely it adds kind of a weird feeling than what I think 
if Penn State had won a game like this in this season four when there's less mistakes, that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, it was a game that Penn State maybe shouldn't have won, um, but it came out with a win and beating a pretty good Purdue team and a good program that Jeff Brom's running there. Um, it's definitely a good way to start the season for Penn State, as was last year's win against Wisconsin. So. Yeah, Joe, man, um, I, you know, I, I was watching that final drive and, and, uh, as it, as it went down and Penn State scored, man, um, and, and watching Coach Franklin, he, he was talking about how it was such a gutsy win for the program, man, and, and the guys never stopped fighting. And just to come from behind and all the adversity they kind of faced right there in that game with Clifford having to go out and, uh, the backup quarterback, LR, coming, coming in for a couple drives, man, and Clifford fighting cramps. Uh, could you talk about could you talk about Coach Franklin and what he tells these guys in in that program and and just how big of a win this was for them? Uh, yeah, the, the win is definitely a big deal. Uh, they could not afford to lose that game. And it's not that uh, losing to Purdue would have been uh, a shameful thing the way losing to Illinois in nine overtimes was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with what this program has been. In the past few seasons, you know, the COVID year, absolute disaster, starting 0-5, finishing with a losing record. Then last year, 35-0, rising the number four in the nation. Then they lose to Iowa. Who knows what happens if Clifford doesn't get hurt in the middle of that game. But nonetheless, lose to Iowa, lose the Illinois game, which I referenced earlier, and then mm-hmm. end up finishing 7-6, and six, losing six out of the last eight. Uh, but... Yeah, just uh, getting that win um, in Purdue, like I said, it was a must-win game during the year. And James, in his press conference, asked about Coach Franklin. He kind of reiterated the fact that Penn State has started on the road in Big Ten play in 12 of the past 13 years, which is, I don't really know how that happens. And wow. Not, Pat, James Franklin and Pat, Pat Kraft, the new AD at Penn State, have both referenced that. Um, in the season, and Franklin referenced it again in his press conference last night. Uh, but yeah, it definitely was a game that Penn State couldn't afford to lose. And being dealt, I don't want to say a bad hand because you're going to be playing challenging games in the Big Ten anyway, but definitely a different hand starting out Wisconsin and then at Purdue two years in a row and being able to win both those games. I think that says a lot about James' ability to get the team ready week one and pull out a pretty clutch win on FS1 in a big-time environment on the road in the Big Ten to start off the year. Yeah, Joe, and, and man, you know, I want to dive into this into this game, and, and one of the things that was kind of concerning to me, you know, I'm a big Auburn guy. We went up to y'all's place last year, and, and y'all got the best of us, and, and we welcome y'all here in a couple weeks, man. Um, but the lack of the running game for Penn State last night and the offensive line, man, is that a bit concerning for you? Very much so. Very much so. I think uh, with the run game, I was I didn't really see a big difference last year aside from the faces. Obviously, Penn State fans are excited to watch Nick Singleton, excited to watch Katron Allen. Um, but they averaged less than three yards per carry, I think, if I, if I have the stats uh, right. And they mm-hmm. rushed for less than 100 yards as a team, even with three players splitting carries. Uh, the line didn't block well, and I don't think the line blocked too well for Sean Clifford either. So, with uh, week one, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there's definitely always a lot of things to clean up. Well, not always, but most of the time, there's 
a bunch of uh, sloppy play. Uh, but the offensive line, I didn't really see a drastic improvement at all, and that's something that Penn State, its position coach, Phil Troutline, and Franklin, of course, will need to work on uh, to improve upon over the season. Yeah, man, and, and uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you about the defense, man. I, I wanted your thoughts on the defense. When Penn State needed it the most, they stepped up, they got a stop, and they got your offense the ball back, man. I know it wasn't always you know great last night, but uh, give me your thoughts on the defense and, and how they really, you know, um, really got it together right there towards the end. Yeah, you said it. Uh, Penn State's defense was awesome in that fourth order. Uh, there's no other way to say it. And mm-hmm. overall on the night, uh, like you said, there was uh, definitely uh, some uh, weak spots uh, within the defense. Aiden O'Connell, I'll have to give credit to him. Jeff Brown, credit to him. Uh, Purdue's offense passes the ball very well, and last night was no exception mm-hmm. for the first three quarters. But that fourth quarter, uh, Manny Diaz really got – everybody together, and Penn State didn't allow anything, didn't allow a point in the fourth quarter. The only points Purdue scored in the last 15 minutes came on Clifford's pick six. But one player I want to highlight, the one play I want to highlight, first the player, Jody Porter Jr., uh, kind of a polarizing figure coming into the season, a guy that has a lot of raw ability, but over his time at Penn State, he's been a guy that's had some problems, particularly with pass interference penalties, and mm-hmm. he did have a big pass interference penalty in the red zone in the third in the third quarter. So, Purdue still had touchdown. But overall, to read some of Porter's stats, he had eight tackles, six forced incompletions, and fourteen targets, and three pass breakups. Two of those pass breakups coming in the fourth quarter. And I want to highlight the fourteen targets because mm-hmm. offenses. As good as Joey Porter Jr. can be, and some projecting to be a first-round draft pick in the first quarter, taking the next year's draft, offenses aren't afraid to target him because they think that his overly aggressive play will lead to a pass in the first penalty. And that was definitely produced mindset last night. But Fred Joey Porter Jr., he got himself together. He dropped an interception that probably would have been a pick six on Purdue's source possession. Mm-hmm. Ended up recovering a fumble, too, late in the first half that led to a Penn State touchdown before halftime. And as a defensive back, you know, the line is you have to have a short memory, and Joey Porter Jr. had a short memory last night, both with the draw pick six and with that defensive pass interference call in the third quarter. And the play I want to highlight is on Purdue's last possession uh, with less than a minute to go in the game, Manny Diaz called a quarter blitz. Mm-hmm. And that's a very gutsy call, you know. You think when there's less than a minute left and the team has to drive 75, 80 yards, you're going to go in the prevent. You're just going to try to not let them score let the clock run out. But Manny Diaz said, hey, we're going to be aggressive. We want to end this thing. And he ran a quarter blitz with Johnny Dixon, who sat Aiden O'Connell. And that, that more or less uh, filled the game. So mm-hmm. uh, but to wrap it all up with the defense, Bend, don't break. Uh, dog together when it needed to, when it mattered. And Joey Porter Jr., I think, is a star in the Big Ten and will make a lot of plays for Penn State as the year goes on. Yeah, Joe, um, the one play I wanted to highlight, and you kind of mentioned it right there, talking about Porter uh, Jr. and um, Man, the fumble right before half. How big was it for Penn State not to just go out there and take a knee and actually go for for a shot and and try to get that thing in the end zone, which they did? Yeah, 
Well, it's funny. Um, not in the press box, the two of us uh, were kind of uh, mumbling around after Penn State set up and it became apparent that they were going to score because, you know, 30 seconds deep in your own territory, you're thinking, all right, take a knee, uh, going to the half. Mm-hmm. And actually, Sean Clifford almost threw what would have been a costly interception. And had that happened, the whole perception of the game uh, and Mike Yurcich and James Franklin's idea to go for a touchdown would have been way different. And I think Penn State's coaching staff would have been scrutinized greatly, especially if that interception had led to a Penn State loss. But the play that set it up, which you mentioned, uh, Saki Wheatley was the one that forced the fumble. And Saki Wheatley forcing the fumble is big because over spring practice, Penn State gives foul counts to Perlicus over the swing. And Saki Wheatley was the turnover if you will, in spring practice. He had the most turnovers, of course. I think he had five interceptions. He's definitely a young player, just in the second year, four-star recruit in the class of 2021, one of Penn State's biggest recruits now. The class that people are definitely excited about. So mm. I think for Saki Waitley to make that play, uh, already having had the turn with Kaden Butterker, and granted, I know spring practice isn't the biggest thing in the world, but He's developed a bit of a reputation among Penn State fans reading about his success on Twitter and among the media who get to watch um, about 15, 20 minutes of practice a week. He's kind of built that reputation as a guy that can force the turnover and change the game, and he forced the turnover to change the game last night. So, hmm. Man, um, Joe, you know, talking about Sean Clifford, I, I know he, he dealt with some adversity last night. Uh, the low, the low hit that that caused him to leave the game and everything, and then he comes back and uh, he guts one out, and he ends up throwing a pick six, a costly pick six to put you guys down, and then he leads you on a eight play, eighty yard drive to seal a victory, and he ends up throwing a little ten yard TD pass, and uh, with fifty seven seconds left, and to put you guys on top, could you talk a little bit about Sean Clifford, uh, the veteran presence, and what he means to this football team? Well, he means a ton, and I think whatever Penn State fans think of Sean Clifford's abilities as a quarterback, and there's a lot of varying opinions on that topic, what's not debatable is his leadership and what he means to this program. This mm-hmm. guy can take a lot of punishment. He's a guy that his teammates love, a guy his teammates want to play for, and a guy that's going to be pretty successful regardless of whether he plays in the NFL outside of football. He started his NIF uh, an NIL agency, Lemonless NIL, so oh, he's wow. going to do big things whether it's on the football field or just in business uh, away from football. So he's definitely an impressive uh, young man that will be successful. But um, talking about him as a quarterback, last night was pretty much, I think, summed up Sean Clifford's career at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had plenty of poor play the past two years. That was on display. He's gone injured the past uh over the past year, uh, that was on his play, although it wasn't really an injury, it was more of a cramp, but nonetheless, he had to leave the game, uh, and he's had some uh, pretty good football in him, too, over his time at Penn State, and that was on display in that last drive, uh, which mm-hmm. we talked about, so it was kind of, I guess, uh, you kind of saw pretty much the good and the bad of Sean Clifford in week one. It was a roller coaster ride, but that's what Sean Clifford's career as Penn State quarterback which feels like it's gone on forever, has been, is a roller coaster ride. So. 
Yeah, man, a uh, big roller coaster ride. But uh, I was I was proud of Clifford last night, man. Coming back and and after throwing that pick six, he he leads y'all on, on that drive, and it just showed guts, man. It showed guts, and and uh, it was nice to see him bounce back right there. But uh, Joe, man, I wanted to ask you. There was one play in the game last night. Um, you know, uh, I think it was Abdul Carter that was ejected for targeting. Um, what what is targeting, Joe? Like. I just thought I thought we could fix this a little bit. I thought we could fine tune it, but we watched last night, and that's absolutely ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's kind of like asking what a catch is. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't know if I have an answer for that. Uh, talking about the Carter play in particular, uh, I think that's just the case of you know you're leading with the shoulder, uh, you get the head, and it mm. kind of looks worse. Uh, in some eyes and in the officials' eyes, I guess, than it actually was. But what um, I think what happened was the officials did not blow that play dead nearly as early as they should have. Mm. Uh, so that's why it kind of looked like Carter ran in later than he did, was because the play wasn't dead yet. Uh, but I think uh, talking about Bill Carter, although that was obviously, and that was the first play of his college career, uh, first defensive play of his college career, uh, so definitely an interesting way to start. Um, but that kind of uh, shows some good qualities that Abdul Carter has. Obviously, uh, Penn State won't like the penalty of right call or wrong call. Won't like that they lost a player on their defense to targeting in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely an aggressive player. Uh, he's a player that Penn State coaches Mandy Diaz especially are very excited about. Of course, star return out of Philadelphia. And I think if he has that aggressive approach uh, throughout the season, He's going to make a lot of plays, a lot of legal plays that will help uh, that Penn State defense. So. Mm, man, love to hear that, Joe. Uh, a lot of talent on that Penn State roster up there, man, and I'm excited to, for y'all to come down week three to uh, Auburn, Alabama, man. It's going to be another classic one just like it was last year, man. Uh, Joe, there was some breaking news a while ago in college football that they will be moving to a 12-team playoff. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Are you a fan, or you know, do you like it at four? You know, what are your thoughts on moving to twelve? Is that too much? Should it been at eight? Uh, let me hear it, man. Uh, it's kind of hard to not be a fan. I think of uh, when you know you look at the history of the college uh, football playoff play, uh, and there's just been so many bad games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know how you could say. Uh, oh, it should, it should stay at four uh, when the college football playoff has been boring for the most part. And like the last year, Alabama went to four with Cincinnati, Georgia went to four with Michigan, and then the national championship game wasn't awful, but still a somewhat convincing Georgia win. Uh, and I understand that that football games are going to happen and they're not avoidable, uh, but I feel like the playoff kind of needs a shakeup. I think it's gone to the point where fans are almost expecting there to be lost out of games in the postseason, and I think a shakeup is what the playoff needs. As far as the number of teams, uh, I personally would probably go with 16. I think that that kind of adds the NCAA tournament and basketball feel mm-hmm. to it, because uh, you know how, how widely uh, successful the NCAA tournament March Madness has been. Uh, and I think having 16 would add more of a feel to that. It would also make uh, the regular season much more exciting in college football, being that every team in the top 25 would have national championship aspirations. 
from the beginning of the season through the end of November. So I would have you at 16, but I think 12 is definitely better than four. And we won't really know how it's going to go uh, for a few more years at, at least. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely uh, like that it's expanding uh, from four to 12. And I hope that just leads to better playoff games because something's got to change, man. And I think <laughs> when there's so many blowouts, so many years in a row in mm. the college football playoff, that's a sign that the system is flawed. Yeah, Joe, uh, you know, down here in SEC country, it is not uh, not a big topic. It's not a hot topic right now, man. Uh, SEC country wants it to stay at four. Uh, I'm a huge fan of staying at four. I, I love hearing other people's opinions on it, though, and and. I think 12 will eventually grow on me, and like you said, man, some of those games are kind of blowouts, and and hopefully, you know, when we get to that 12-teamer, uh, top four teams might get buys, and then, you know, we could see some better games in that opening round, man, uh, but I, I love hearing other people's takes on it, and I, th- I think that's uh, that's the beauty of of college football, us getting to talk about it and stuff, and uh, it, was, it was great to hear your take on it, man. But jo- Absolutely, glad I could give it to yeah, man, uh, Joe, and and the last thing I wanted to ask you before I, I let you get out of here, man, is we watched Penn State last night, and I wanted to ask you, what is the ceiling of this team? I know it was week one, and like you said, man, things are kind of sloppy. Uh, you know, the defense is kind of ahead of the the offense, or, or you know, whatever. Um, what is the ceiling for this team, and and could they possibly make a run over there in that Big Ten? I think mean, the ceiling you're looking at is probably 10-2. Okay. Uh, I think looking at the schedule, uh, the only games that for sure would be losses would probably be Ohio State just because Ohio State, man, I think this is one of their best teams, definitely mm. one of their best offenses maybe of all time. Mm-hmm. Michigan, uh, Franklin does not do well against Jim Harbaugh on the road. He's beaten Harbaugh once on the road, and that was in that wacky 2020 season when there were no fans. So I don't even know how much you, how much shock you can put into that. <laughs> uh, so I'm not feeling uh, too high on either Ohio State or Michigan matchup, but I think aside from those games, everything's out there, man. I think uh, Auburn three uh, is winnable on the mm-hmm. road. Uh, we all know the problems Auburn's had over this offseason. Mm-hmm. both with players um, and with uh, drama behind the scenes within the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnesota at home is going to be a tough game. Minnesota, I think, could win the big for the West, but that's the white house. They have to give Penn State the edge there. Michigan State, the land-grant trophy, that's going to be a good one. A lot of big things are expected out of Mel Tucker in that program. But I think uh, at Beaver Sandium, uh, that's definitely a winnable game for Penn State. Rutgers, obviously, a game they should win. Indiana should win. Maryland at home. Northwestern at home. Those are games that should be winning. So I think mm-hmm. the ceiling is 10-2. and two, And before the season, I predicted 9-3. and three, And okay. I had them winning at Purdue. So really no reason to waver from my 9-3 and three prediction right now. But mm-hmm. I think this is a team that can win 10 games. And uh, looking at Penn State's history with Ohio State under James Franklin, yes, Penn State's only been Ohio State once since uh, 2011 which is before Franklin got hired. Uh, but every game, with the exception of 2015 at Ohio Stadium, it has been close. Penn State always plays Ohio State tough, always makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this year, Ohio State coming into Penn State Halloween weekend, 
that's not going to be an easy game for Ohio State. And I definitely am not predicting a Penn State win, but I think Ohio State's going to sweat as it's come to do against Penn State. So I'll say 10-2 and would be the ceiling, and I think 9-3 and is probably my most realistic expectation right now. Man, love that, Joe. Uh, love the love the Penn State win, man. Love your prediction. And, and Joe, um, I would really love to have you on here in a couple weeks. Uh, I know not this Saturday, but next, um, or, or two Saturdays from now, week three, uh, Penn State travels down to Auburn, man. I would love to have you on during that week and uh, us talk some Auburn-Penn State. How do you feel about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's have me come on. Let's do it. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And, Joe, if you could, man, could you drop your Twitter handle or, or uh, any any type of social media so my, my listeners can uh, find you? Uh, yeah, I'll be happy to. On uh, my Twitter, which is my most prevalent form of uh, social media, is okay. JoeSmelter775, at JoeSmelter775. And uh, well, I'll rephrase that. My name is Joe Smelter. My handle is at Joe Smelter775, just to be clear. And then uh, the following my content for Penn State, uh, it's, the site is Nittany Sports Now, and the handle is at NittanySM. So uh, give me a follow, and uh, hopefully uh, you like what you see. So, Well, Joe, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I had a blast. Loved hearing about the big win last night. And uh, we'll talk soon, Joe. All right, absolutely. All right, man. Wow, everybody. Joe Smeltzer breaking down the Penn State Nittany lines. I loved having him on. Incredible breakdown from last night. Penn State, Purdue, what a thriller. Sean Clifford, man, talking about him. Incredible. James Franklin, really getting it done, man. His guys, like he said, a gutsy performance and and just really laying it all out on the line last night. It, it was it was one hell of a game. We, we were blessed last night. Let's be honest, a Thursday night, the world's watching. We were blessed. What a night of college football, and we have another night. I'm recording this on a Friday afternoon. We have another night of college football, and then we lead into Saturday and that that big slate and all those primetime games. You know, we're just extremely excited. We look at Sunday, and you got Florida State and LSU playing, and then we roll Monday. You got Georgia Tech and Clemson. What a weekend, man! What a weekend! I hope everybody travels safe. If you're on the road, in the air, whatever, man, uh, travel safe and and, uh, really enjoy, sit back and spend time with family and enjoy this weekend of college football. So with that being said, I'll wrap this one up with a war damn eagle, and I will catch you on the next one. I'm out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.